Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. My kind of thesis for this was proving that the Illuminati, A, is real, two, how it was a threat at the beginning of our country and evidence that it potentially infiltrated through the lodges of Freemasonry. The weird thing about this stuff is I'm sure there's plenty of Freemasons that know nothing about any of the higher Exactly. Up. There's people that can infiltrate these groups and use them as a like a snake arm to exactly. get into places. Snakes don't have arms, John. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Adam Weishaupt started the Bavarian Illuminati. It was an actual organization started in 1776. Oh, yeah. But the idea is that he looked at Freemasonry and the structure and he thought, this is great. This is a secretive organization. He then went on to infiltrate the Freemasonic organizations that already existed. And there's evidence to show this. It's not just the symbols, right? It's not just a pyramid on the dollar bill or a pyramid on Jay-Z's shirt. Those references are there, but there's still evidence of a movement going on that is reflected by the original Illuminati principles of divide and conquer, take over from within, destroy, destabilize. And part of this destabilization goes to the idea of a new world order. When we are successful, and we will be. A new world order. So yeah, the whole point is we want to provide information and a perspective on how we see this stuff happening and show you that there is evidence for there being some kinds of agendas throughout history through secret orders that were written down and passed forward. To say whether it's real or not now, you can look at the signs and make that decision. Now we don't all agree, obviously. Yeah. Look at the stuff, make up your own mind. We're not telling you what to think. I am. Well, John might be, (laughs) but... It all leads to Lady Gaga. Bohemian Grove. Yeah. Essentially, it's a group of elites that gather together and do all kinds of weird stuff in the wilderness. And there's all sorts of rumors about, like, being naked with these people. Just (laughs) stuff that powerful people shouldn't be involved in. Yeah. Like, if you want to make a plan, this is where you're going to conspire. I mean, just the ritual itself. Like, that's, that's weird. Weird. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Like, Close the door, it. Jury! Close your door! What's the uh, Inner Earth Disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Corey Feldman, Magicians are Demons, Specters, Spirits, Sleep Paralysis, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Hello. Well, hello, hello. It's good to be back in the throne. In the Masonic throne? Ooh, yes, good. In the Skull and Bones tomb? We're jumping right into it with the keywords, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be back. Feels good. Feels good here. (laughs) Feels good in the sweltering room. Yeah, I'm so warm. Well, it feels good psychologically, maybe not physically. It's kind of gross in here, but, you know, it's still summer. Winding down the summer here. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to those colder, older days. Yeah, bring on the Halloween. I know that's, that's sacrilege coming from you usually. My body has changed. (laughs) It's finally hit that age. (laughs) No, I mean like it's, my circulation has gotten better because uh, it's been cold all the time. Yeah, the trampoline is what changed it. We need to get them as a sponsor. As much as we talk about trampolines. (laughs) Rebounders. (laughs) Or maybe free tickets to a circus or something. 
I'm excited to be back today. This is going to be an interesting episode, getting back to some old school belief hole stuff. Yeah, well, it's funny because we've been doing a lot of storytelling, you know, a lot of compiling interesting lore. A lot of paranormal. Paranormal research, but it's mostly, it was mostly story-based. And so we all figured what better way to get back into research than to tackle the problem is, is, is the Illuminati real? And how <laughs> Very do we, small topic. Yeah. We, we've kind of touched on stuff like this in, in yeah. the earlier stuff. Yeah, Many times, yeah. I mean, the first handful of episodes, this was like what we were most excited about talking yeah about. we are pretty deep in that world yeah and then we had an off the cuff we did like the music industry and yeah cult symbolism and celebrity illuminati card game in the expansion episodes where we talked about about this stuff a lot what was that we did another topic though that was like similar it was like the snallygaster no <laughs> i don't think that was any anywhere <laughs> yeah, i guess close. the celebrity occult was the kind of the one that stuck out the most to me a lot of these topics when we did our first several episodes a lot of this was just mixing around with each yeah, other Yeah, we were definitely way more <laughs> off the cuff yeah for sure now we're polished polished steel this will test our polishedness i feel like yeah well this will be interesting because yeah like i said it's it's uh i mean it's massive we decided we wanted to do one on secret societies essentially right the influence and some of the influence you can see today a lot mm-hmm. of the symbolism we see out there we've touched on that stuff before but we wanted to get back into this kind of kind of conspiracy side of our show as nicole would say the nitty-gritty the nitty-gritty <laughs> right. yes but this topic is deeper than I mean I knew it was deep but I didn't realize how much there was if you thought there was no such thing as the Illuminati well that's just patently false I mean that's a that's a part of proven history it's part of the record oh we can end the show so good night everybody <laughs> so I guess the question is what so what I want to do in this episode was talk about that about where it started and evidence to show that it did exist at a certain time when the country began and that it exists today Potentially, right? Did it, I mean, we're, we're going to get into this, obviously, but I know it had its roots in the 1700s. Did it go mm-hmm. back further? I mean, is, are there ties back to like the Egyptian magic schools, things like that? Well, that's what, from what I understand, Freemasonry talks about, like Hiram Abiff being like one of the chieftains of the Mason, I don't want to say theology, like history, essentially. Hiram Abiff is like their guy. The chief builder, I think, of Solomon's temple. So it goes back to the Old oh, Testament yeah, yeah. times. The demon wrangler. And yeah, a lot of the magician schools of Egypt supposedly carried forth through secret societies mm-hmm. of knowledge like masonry, but through like other groups like the Knights Templar, the Rosicrucians, Knights of the Holy Cross, etc. Disney. But the, where we're going to start today, and this was kind of funny. So what, how we got inspired by this was we found my dad's dad. We found out he was a mason. And in my hand, you guys can't see it in the studio, but we have the Freemasonic... Bible. And that's the first time we found out that he was actually a Mason. I didn't even know they had Freemasonic Bibles until I found that. I was like, yeah. oh, weird. Well, yeah, it's built a lot off of the uh, the tenets of, you know, Christianity, religion. Right. It Kind of. That's what's interesting, too, is there is this kind of, like, mystical side to Freemasonry. And there's kind of almost two different schools. There's the esoteric school and then the more practical school in Freemasonry. Right. But yeah, so that's what kind of inspired this idea was, like, now that we have this artifact showing that our grandfather was a Freemason, we should look more into it. So that's kind of where this idea began, um, but I'm not going to go into that today. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm saying I'm not going to read like from the Bible. I'm not going to read from okay, his. Okay, and, yeah, and yeah. Kind of like there were some interesting things when I first started reading this, but I'd like more time to do it. Do you find anything in your research that would kind of link Grandpa to anything, like as far as like why he would have been involved in that? Well, in a way, yeah. I mean, as far as there being a society uh, or like fraternities of brotherhood and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, that was pretty common for people that were business people in the community, even people higher up to join those things for purposes of networking, but also for charity purposes and those kinds of things. It was a good kind of like gentleman's club that was a philanthropist, right. that kind of idea. I thought it was interesting is it goes all the way back to like middle ages with the idea of guilds where like the king or the lord of the land would be like, all right, you get to bake bread, nobody else. So like you join this baking bread guild 
then you've got license to bake bread. That's kind of how that... Right, so you had the, the Stonemasons Guild back when they were building cathedrals and that kind of thing with, you know, heavy stone and masonry was so important for the arches and, you know, I'm not a mason, I'm not going to talk very, you know, <laughs> very well about it as far as the right terms and stuff to use. But yeah, that was the idea is that guilds were kind of like early labor unions from what I understand. Um, at least they had the rights to perform these different skills. And so at first, the Masons were like a group of people with these shared skills. And then as like the building of cathedrals and these kinds of things kind of went out of fashion towards uh, industrialization, the Renaissance, and then the the Enlightenment era, people weren't building these as much. And so they started taking on um, more like fraternities, like, hey, let's get together, wear weird hats. Well, the elites were drawn to them because they had this kind of secret information and this, this you know, secret kind of brotherhood. So elites would be drawn in. Right. And it was a way to share and disseminate this kind of more secretive information and explore ideas that were a little less safe to talk about under like the auspices of the church and that kind of stuff. Right. So connect yeah, people at higher echelons together in a secret kind of world. Yeah. So that's where Freemasonry kind of, from what I understand, kind of began. That's how it started? Yeah. That's not where it ended, ended up. <laughs> that's right, John. <laughs> that's not where it ended up. <laughs> Took a wrong turn. Yeah. There's actually a really interesting podcast I will link in the show notes and it's called Once You Came, I believe it is. And it's a, it's a Freemasonic podcast. It was really interesting. It sounded like a younger guy very well read, well written, or, you know, smart fella. And um, he talked about the kind of different schools in masonry, like those that are esoteric, those that are, <laughs> what? Oh, I just thought about something. Is this related? Or is this no. Oh, great. And this is how the devil gets by. What, what, what is, is that? that? You don't remember? Remember when you guys were arguing oh, that one night? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Oh my gosh. I mean, this will probably cut this, but if not... <laughs> you mentioned this before, but I still don't remember this. You said I said that or yeah. something? Jeremy and Chris were fighting downstairs, like, intensely. We got in this battle about, <laughs> this battle about Jeremy being late all the time, and Chris oh, right. basically <laughs> threw Jeremy under the bus and said he was the reason that you're always late. Yeah. And then Jeremy went into this fighting back sort of, like... Explanation. You know, justifying, and Chris was so mad, and he's just like, and this is how the devil gets by! And he's <laughs> There's no way I said that. You did, you, did. you absolutely you did. did. Why? It doesn't even make sense. It does, You were dude. joking. I mean, you were, like, calling, you were saying, like, this is how the the devil gets by. Oh, the lies that he was telling. Uh, okay. My silver tongue excuses. Was I drunk? Why don't I remember I saying that? Because you were impassioned in yeah. the moment. You were, yeah, you were drunk. Was this the night of Cobra Kai and uh, yeah, Bacardi? So. Oh, it might have been. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I didn't mean to throw you off there, but I just couldn't help it. He's so like, <laughs> he was talking about Jeremy throwing up all these excuses and, and Skirting around the I was very carefully explaining why I'm. It's not really and my. You were fault. using your silver tongue <laughs> to like yes. escape the. It's not my fault, John. That's pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and this is how the devil gets by. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's a good analogy to uh, the Illuminati infestation of Freemasonry. Bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's get into it a little bit. If you guys are ready, swim in the sea of occult fantasy. Let's nice do it. and Freemasonry. So there, there is a podcast, yeah, like I mentioned. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like his podcast, as I heard a bit of it, it sounds like it's sort of a Freemason podcast for, like, he's a Freemason. Other Masons, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if we have any Masons out there. We do. Dustin. So we have a... We have a, a, we have a Dustin. A Dustin? I wonder, <laughs> I'm sure there's probably more than well, that. Well, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, he's actually a former right Mason. Right in, if, if, you know, if, especially if you're deep in it and you are practicing rituals, we'd love to hear. Yeah, we would. We would love it. We'd love uh, to know more. Dustin didn't... Um, 
specifically give me permission to uh, say what he said, but I did ask him, and he didn't really respond to that. So I'm assuming yes. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. And nothing, nothing significant as far as like you know, damning or that would put him in danger. Obviously, if you know, <laughs> yeah, famous last words. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, I mean, how high up is he? Is, I mean, so he was, from what I understand, he was a. Um, Grand Dragon. Beginning kind of Mason. I think he said he was oh, in... Wait, that's the... Grandmaster Dragon. <laughs> he was definitely not a Grand that's Dragon. That's the wrong secret Weird society. flex, dude. <laughs> what does that mean? No, you're heard flex. <laughs> no, sir. Yeah? No. Okay, so I'm not... Yeah, I'm not sure how long uh, Dustin was a member Mason, but uh, he. I guess he's been out for about a year or so. Said he didn't really pay his dues. Maybe I shouldn't say that in case they're going to come after him. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it's extreme. Oh, he said he just felt... There were a couple things that he found that just didn't sit right with him. He didn't go into detail about that. Um, I wonder what that was. Did he ever meet George Bush? I don't think George Bush is a Mason. I'm joking. He's a, he's a, he's a bonesman. Skull and bones. We're going to get into that, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. right. That's also coming up in this episode. We're dabbling a bit into a few different secret societies we're going to talk about, but the, the through line I wanted to get to, my kind of thesis for this was kind of proving that the Illuminati, A, is real, mm-hmm. uh, to how it uh, was a threat at the beginning of our country and evidence that it infiltrated through the walls of the lodges of Freemasonry. Right. Potentially, so and how it, how it remains today. Basically, Illuminati infiltrating Freemasonry. Right. And the weird thing about this stuff is like, I'm sure there's plenty of Freemasons that know nothing about any of the higher exactly. up level. majority, And sure. a lot of the stuff, even like you think about churches, how they, right. governments, all these things. Compartmentalized. Yeah, there's people that can infiltrate these groups and use them as a like a snake arm to exactly. get into places. Snakes don't have arms, John. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? How dare you? You know what I mean? That they can they can use these as like leverage and absolutely, and they can work within the groups and not not everyone's going to know about it. Right. In fact, most of them probably don't, and that's to their advantage. Yeah. So, and this is exactly correct. And this is the idea behind the Illuminati infiltration of Freemasonic organizations. Going back to, you've heard of Adam Weishaupt, right? You probably heard the name. It sounds familiar. I thought it was Johann Adam Weishaupt. There, okay, he goes. I mean, everywhere you see it, it's Adam Weishaupt. There may be an original first name that doesn't get used. Anyways, so Adam Weishaupt, it is suggested by a lot of, quote, conspiracy theorists that he did just this thing that you mentioned. Uh, Adam Weishaupt started the Bavarian Illuminati. It was an actual organization started in 1776. Is that year sounds significant? Oh, yeah. That was the year of our independence. That's absolutely correct. Uh, and the idea behind what he was doing is that he was interested in joining. Uh, so he had been a part or involved, from what I understand, in the Jacobins, which were one of the groups that were really pushing the revolution in France to overthrow the monarchy, you know, chop off the heads, mm-hmm. got really out of control. Right, because when the revolution's beginning in America, he's forming the Illuminati in Europe the same year, right? That's the idea. So essentially what people have hypothesized, and there's some evidence to show this, that he he was considering joining Freemasonry over there at the time. And you had people like Ben Franklin who was involved in a lodge, Nine Sisters Lodge over in France. But he's in Bavaria, which is now Germany, out of Weishaupt. Anyway, so he this would be one piece of evidence that he was looking at Freemasonry. Uh, he was connected to Benjamin Franklin, I believe, through uh, Cagliostro. He was a magician that was connected with uh, the Count de Saint-Germain. Oh, right, right. I remember um, that. He was supposedly friends with Benjamin Franklin. Anyways, we'll get more on that later. There's connections with him and Freemasonry, but the idea is that he looked at Freemasonry and the structure and he thought, this is great. This is a secretive organization where I can spread my influence with the, my certain goals that I want to achieve, but they were limited and they didn't go as far as he wanted them to go. He didn't just want to join the Freemasons and then try to influence the group, right? As you would in a kind right. of a democratic republic kind of way, you'd you'd want to change the group from the inside. He wanted to control the infrastructure that was already there. So the idea is that he, through his Illuminati that he formed, the, I think it was the Order of the Illuminati or something, 
in Bavaria in 1776, he then went on to infiltrate the Freemasonic organizations that already existed. Right, right. And there's evidence to show this. So the key where we see the potential influence and perhaps infestation of the Bavarian Illuminati, it impregnated Freemasonry in the States under George Washington's reign as president, right? Reign, if you will. <laughs> reign. Um, Not quite the right word. All right. So there's evidence to show this. And this is, this is when I first became more solidified in the idea that, yeah, the Illuminati is real. There's, this is evidence. This is showing that it existed. There was a concern about it at the time by our very first founding father president, George Washington. So after Adam Weishaupt founded the Bavarian Illuminati in 1776, there was a book that was written. This book was written by a man by the name of John Robeson. John Robeson was a British physicist and mathematician. He actually invented the siren. Isn't that interesting? Like the, what's one? Like oh, all you, of them. Like the tornado siren? Essentially, the yeah. police siren? He, created, he just spent like a year in the basement and created every siren. <laughs> yeah, they weren't all developed. Like he didn't need a police siren Like the then. origin of the siren, basically, right? Well, let's yeah, say like a warning. He didn't name it that. The next guy came and improved it and named it that. Anyways, can you imagine if they'd had that at that time period when the British were coming? There'd be no Paul Revere. Just be like doing this. Oh, because the he, British he had to like ride around, tell every town. Well, no one would know what it meant. You just still have to That's let everyone know at a time. All right, anyway. And he could have done the siren, you know, Paul Revere. What are you swinging your arm like that for? <laughs> Old sirens would wind up, oh, I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, oh, another interesting side note the guy wrote the book, John Robison, Robison, however you say his name, British physicist, mathematician. Uh, he wrote this book called Proof of a Conspiracy. And Ooh. the idea behind this was he was introduced to the plans of Adam Weishaupt the founder of the Illuminati, by Adam Weishaupt. Adam Weishaupt had contacted him because he wanted to enlist his help in um, infiltrating the Illuminati and then these other several principles that he had supposedly listed to him. And the idea, according to John Robison, was that he listened to Adam Weishaupt only enough to, to hear his plan, his like treasonous plan of treachery yeah. and deceit. Uh, and then he published a book about it. And this guy wasn't some slouch. You know, you hear, you hear this guy written in this this proof of a conspiracy book that's touted around and people like BuzzFeed and stuff will laugh at it, put it down, whatever. It's just a, you know, disproven book. But it was, you know, this guy was a, he was a legit British physicist and mathematician. His son invented casters, furniture casters. Ooh, those are handy. handy. And his, I think it was his great granddaughter uh, is the reason we have Dracula. Bram Stoker? All goes back to vampires, man. Wait, why is his great-granddaughter? Because his great-granddaughter wrote a collection of Transylvanian folklore that inspired the work Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, cool. Anyways, neither here nor there. Just to give you some perspective on, on what's going on here. You guys know what a glimmer man is? Is it like a, the grinning man? No, it's a new Reddit feed. Oh, like a humanoid oh, kind of thing? Five. Isn't <laughs> it really scared when you did that? Five first-person Glimmer Man encounters North Dakota, Kentucky, Ohio, and even Honduras. Ooh, let it be known that as I'm recounting history behind the Illuminati, John. Well, I was John just, I was going to plan on cutting this part out. Okay, well, but no, I just I was curious because it says even more Glimmer Men question mark aliens question mark phantoms question mark overseers question mark. And then it has a picture of them in the woods and they're invisible glimmer men. Oh, so that's like what we talked about with oh. the Missing 4 in 1 episode and the stories we, we collected from our friends right. like Aaron and Justin. That's kind of what I thought. We're being invaded, bro. We've already been invaded I mean, like thousands of years ago. We got Illuminati from the right. We got glimmer men from the left. Yeah, All sides were bombarded. Give us a break, humanity. Yeah. You just want to start a coffee shop. Come on. Anyways. Getting back to uh, the the infiltration evidence here. So this book was written, Proof of a Conspiracy, um, by this British physicist, mathematician. Doesn't sound like he had some good credentials there. It's, I mean, this is just basic. He's done a lot. I mean, he was involved in a lot of 
things. I will just leave it at that. You can look at, we'll link his Wikipedia page, but he's got a, he's got a list of uh, credits to his name, accomplishments involved with the Royal Society and all these things developing. I think he was the first one to say like that there were balls of electric energy that repelled from each other or something to do with an inverse of magnetism. Anyways, became like a, a law later on when someone like dug into it. Interesting. Anyways, I'm obviously not a scientist, but he's done a lot. So for him to just publish this, and it wasn't that long after a lot of his science work had been done. People said like towards the end of his life, he became like this loon conspiracy theorist. It wasn't that much later. Um, and he actually had written some uh, some works from a, a colleague that he had reworked for publication on chemistry or something after he wrote this. So it's not like he was some loon in a tower. So what did he say in the book? So he warned essentially that there was this plan by Adam Weishaupt to infiltrate Freemasonry in America and specifically to enact several principles that I get into a little bit, and it'll sound kind of familiar to today, actually, which is further proof the Illuminati might still be around influencing the things behind the scenes. Um, and when I say Illuminati, that's one of the reasons we want to do this episode is because there's always that question of who is they, right? Who yeah. is the Illuminati? It's a, it's, there's a, it's a very loaded question. It is a very loaded question. There's a lot, a lot of potential answers, but this establishes the origin. Do you get that a lot when you when you talk about this stuff with people? People are like, who's they? Right, who's they? It's just like, how do you even begin Why would they to answer that? Yeah, th- and so this episode is an attempt to try to say like, here's the origin of the Illuminati. Um, we, there's a book that I'll put in the show notes that I didn't get to get into in research called Bloodlines of the Illuminati by Fritz Springmeier. Oh yeah. It has uh, whistleblowers, a lot of like, it's a really dense book, so I didn't get too into it, but essentially there are 13 families at the time that he wrote it that were the heads of the Illuminati. You'd recognize a lot of them. I'd like to... Well, obviously we won't get into it this time, but remember that book that I talk, was talking about how that one person that escaped yes. and then wrote a, a whole book on like their plans for the world mm-hmm. and it's happening right now. Is that, is that uh, <laughs> the guy that Aaron Russo talks about? Aaron Russo's friend? I don't know who it is, honestly, but like... We need to play that clip sometime. It's basically, he talked about how there's millions of people in this group and they've infiltrated every part of our government and the plan is to depopulate the planet. That's like to get it down to a very manageable size. It's a dick move. And uh, they're all like highly trained in battle and stuff. Like they <laughs> what? Can, I mean, they millions they of to, highly trained. They, battle they have like a separate society, and then they they yeah. go into society. Uh, and, well, this was this was the idea. But and basically, they'll die for their cause. Basically, right. their their plan is to. Of everything else they are, that 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 oath to their purpose is the utmost priority for their right. self yes. and identity. They see themselves as like a different species. And this goes back to a lot of these secret societies, especially the Illuminati. That was one of the ideas behind Adam Weishaupt's purpose was that, you know, you would you'd basically implement people in society secretively. They, right. They're a part of an elite group that know what they're doing. And you could be a, a baker and a father and a family man, but at the very basic level, deep, deep down underneath all those layers, the thing closest to your sole purpose is being a part of the Illuminati. And you will do what you have to do in such a... Uh, God, so creepy. S- such a subtle way that the, the, the commoner would not understand why you're doing this. This doesn't make sense he would do that. Why Why is he voting for this? Why, you know, whatever exactly. it is. Exactly. It's that, yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't make sense... I feel like a lot of that's happening right now. Yeah. It's like the way politicians are acting. It's just like they keep doing the wrong thing over and over again. It's like, doesn't make logical sense. And that's why the common people are so confused all the time. Like, why is this not? And we'll get into that. Okay. Because some of these purposes. I don't mean to keep interrupting. That's okay. The the, um, proof of conspiracy uh, about this infiltration from the uh, late 1700s, this goes into that. Some of those principles that we're seeing today. So we'll get there. Uh, I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) I know. It's good. It's all... Emotion. Okay, so this section I titled "A Wash in Illuminati." Ooh, because it's George Washington. Is that right? 
I like it. It's pretty clever, Jer. Thanks, John. Um, okay, so in 1798, Reverend G.W. Snyder sent a book to George Washington uh, warning about the Illuminati penetrating into the United States Masonic lodges. So the evidence to show this from the Library of Congress, there's a letter, two letters, I think, between this Reverend Snyder and George Washington. Now, when Snyder writes his letter, he makes a statement, and George Washington writes him back to correct the error, and this is the, this is the transcript that we have as evidence of this. He says, the fact is, I preside over none, talking about Freemasonic lodges, nor have I been in one more than once or twice within the last 30 years. I believe notwithstanding that none of the lodges in this country are contaminated with the principles ascribed to the society of the Illuminati. So that's George Washington saying he doesn't think that the Masonic lodges are contaminated yet, but he's admitting that there is a threat. There is an Illuminati. There is an Illuminati. and there's a, This is George Washington? George Washington. Well, probably nothing has happened since then. Right, right. Okay, so this is just the first part of this letter. So, and I'm going to read the next part from this blog. And even though I'm quoting from this blog that I'll link in the show notes, I've vetted this all as far as the letter goes. Upon presuming George Washington did not find any threat with the Illuminati in the United States, Snyder wrote again to urge Washington to consider that as according to the book Proofs of a Conspiracy, he was convinced the doctrines of the Illuminati had affected the United States. Uh-oh. On October 24th, 1798, George Washington wrote back to Snyder, correcting him that it was not that George Washington denied the Illuminati had penetrated the United States, but that he meant he was not concerned that it had contaminated the Freemasonic lodges. And he goes on to say, It was not my intention to doubt that the doctrines of the Illuminati and principles of Jacobiz- Jacobinism? Jacobinism. That's a mouthful. Jacobinism had not spread in the United States. On the contrary, no one is more fully satisfied of this fact than I am. The idea I meant to convey was that I did not believe that the lodges of Freemasons in the country had, as societies, endeavored to propagate the diabolical tenets of the first, or the pernicious principles of the latter, if they are susceptible of separation. How is Washington sure the Illuminati had not penetrated the lodges if he had only visited one once or twice over 30 years as he claimed? Good point. Regardless, the point is that Washington acknowledged a problem with the Illuminati and that they did in fact exist after supposedly disbanding in 1785, as some claim. Many have been misinformed that the Illuminati either broke up after 1785 or that they never existed, and many deny they had any impact on society despite that Washington admitted they did. Um, okay, so... It'd be a good thing to just like kind of wipe away if you don't want to think about the issue. Right. Jay-Z makes symbols all the time. <laughs> I was going to respond to that, but I was reading it to me leave me hanging there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, he's no, got... No, I, I was joking right. to some degree, but I, I mean, people like Beyonce is even like addressed it in her songs. Like people say I'm part of the Illuminati. Right, right, right. Because people do say that. Yeah. Because they make all the symbols. Yeah. So basically, I'll, I'll, I'll link these in the show That's notes. That's a whole other show. We have to do like a modern... You're right. Or we won't We're going to get into that. that a little bit today. Oh, with we're, Drake? Yeah, we're going to get into, um, if we have time, the Bohemian Grove, and it's it's purposeful link to the, uh, supposedly the cult of Minerva, and that's where the owl comes from. Okay. And then you see it on Drake's shirt, so that's kind of interesting. Do you, you should link out the Alex Jones thing to it. Yeah, the video of him and the... Just the, when he actually went and like infiltrated. We'll get to that. You know, Alex Jones is a controversial figure, but... He is, but he, he is... did do some groundbreaking stuff, especially early on. Yeah. Like before, you know, he became like a demonized person. Right. Yeah, for those of you who might still not know about the Bohemian Grove or the Bohemian Club and Alex Jones's involvement, he broke the story essentially by... What, like 15 years ago? Whoa, much longer than that. Really? I think it was in the 90s. I didn't know it was that long. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I know it was like they used it was tape, not digital. I'm pretty sure. But uh, 
Anyways, so essentially, if you don't know the Bohemian Grove, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but we're not going to dive into that today. That would be a whole, it's whole episode, which would be awesome, to the Bohemian Grove. But essentially, it's a group of elites that gather together and do all kinds of weird stuff in the wilderness. Uh, and worship owls. Worship, yeah, there's a... Sacrifice fake children. Yeah. Maybe it, real yeah. children. I, okay, in case we don't get to it, I'll say <laughs> there's a, a cremation of care is a ceremony that goes on where they... They, did, you, did you explain what this is though? Like what the Bohemian Grove is? No. Like it's, it's basically where political leaders from around the world, mm-hmm. very powerful people meet in the middle Media of the California and, Yeah, reporters, woods. business insiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the upper echelon of, you know, It's like society. a week, week or two week long event, but the first day is the day they have the ceremony, the cremation of care. They do right. that and then the rest of it's sort of... And I there's mean, all sorts of rumors about like yeah. being naked with these people. Just stuff <laughs> being, that pe- powerful people shouldn't be involved in yeah. that are deciding the future of our yeah. society. And it's one of those things that's become more aware in, in the public domain. People are learning about this. Right. There's, you know, you get the both sides of people trying to explain it away. And then you get the... But you get these kernels that are like, okay, well, there's st- still some weird stuff. Like, so it's not all clean. And I think any anytime you have... That many people from different arenas of powerful society coming mm-hmm. together, they're not going to not talk shop. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you yeah. want to make a plan, it's never been, this is where you're going to conspire. Yeah, and, I mean, just the ritual itself. Right. And that's only one day. Like, that's right. That's weird. Yeah. Like, so, there's no reason for that. It, it, it's like a political figurehead businessman. What is that? Right. For? Well, and we'll get into why it's a little Sorry, more. Sorry, we're getting a little off the track here, but this you're is. You're going to get into of, the meaning of the Allen things later, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, for sure. Moloch? Moloch. Okay, now that's another thing that's contested is if it represents Moloch, which is the the god of well, one of the things that he was attributed to was the child sacrifice by the Canaanites in olden days. But the other argument is that he that this is not actually a representation of Moloch. It gets attributed to that because the cremation of care, which is the ceremony that they do, and this is what got Bohemian Grove on the map in conspiracy lore. Yeah, it's a secretive. Uh, the Bohemian Club is based in San Francisco, and it's mm-hmm. a secretive club. But the meeting at the Bohemian Grove is where they invite all these political leaders, right. leaders of media together. The secrecy alone is, is weird, and that's why Alex Jones decided to, to break in or sneak in because of the level of the people that are going there. Right, yeah. and then what he filmed is one of the things that blew him up in the, the venue of conspiracy theorists, but also broke the story of the Bohemian Grove was that mock uh, sacri- yeah. sacrificial ritual, supposedly mock ritual, of the cremation of care. And the idea was that they basically, we'll, we'll drop a clip, but um, the idea that there is this care or the, this representation of care of your worries, they call it dull care that had to be burned so that all these leaders that ha- would worry about the common common man or maybe just their own concerns and stress of whatever they were doing, that they would burn it in front of the owl. And so- I didn't know that that's what it meant. Mm-hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. So, I thought it was like just your worries. Well, it depends well, on that's, yeah, you know, interpretation or whatever. Right. But the owl is linked to Minerva, not Ball. Like we've we've actually made that mistake before. And oh, I think yeah. there were reasons to think so, but it's Minerva who is a is it's basically goddess worship from uh well we'll get into it. We'll get into it later on. I'm really going overboard. Yeah, and again, if you guys listening out there, this is one of those topics where there's there's so much information. Right. It's hard not to get a little off track. So if you're losing track, stay with us. We'll get back to this stuff. It is. There's yeah. so many like winding turns and it doesn't always like I mean, you're you're trying to present it in a specific way, but it triggers so many other thoughts exactly. and feelings that it's hard not to like. It's a connected web. Yeah, weaving spiders coming down here. We, I think we've all been down different roads of like what this stuff is at different points in our life. And yeah, it's, it's hard what to it like. Means. Right. Well, let's get back on that track. Where, okay. where did you leave off on this conspiracy trail? Okay, so I was breaking, Are we still with George Washington. Yeah, <laughs> I was breaking down George Washington's <laughs> Man, letter. He's getting a lot of airtime. So well, he's not. He's trying to. Anyways, he basically describes the Illuminati as being diabolical, deceitful, and he is he's recognizes their 
influence in America already, just not specifically Masonic lodges. That's what he was trying right, to say, yeah. the ones that he'd been in. And as he said, he hadn't been in any in 30 years. Right. So how do you know? If grandpa's not watching the grandkids, how do you exactly. know they're not making butter cookies in the oven? Butter cookies. That's a terrific analogy, like Chris. That? Uh, it's terrible. Okay. The evidence shows that the Illuminati continued through the United States and that they had an influence, despite the change in the title to the Jacobin Club or other obscure names, as well as seeking refuge within the Freemasonic lodges. They still operated. Some would say that the Illuminati became one with Freemasonry in that one could not detect where Freemasonry ended and Illuminism began at the adept levels. Now that means at the higher upper echelons, right? Like 33 plus degrees. Mm -hmm. Some say that it's supposed to end at 33. Others say that it continues on after you reach initiation of that higher degree. Right, that's the idea that that's when the clandestine stuff gets into your earballs, right? Right, and that adept, that that's a word that's used in like other circles like Rosicrucianism, um, more with like theosophy mm -hmm. and that kind Eastern, of idea. Even Eastern religions, the adept is the, like the practiced mage, that right. kind of thing. And that's important too, because in Freemasonry, this conversation even within the lodges, a lot of people aren't interested in the esotericism, right? That's like a very specific kind of area of Freemasonry. Right. But that's the idea where there are all of these important symbols that have so much meaning and get they get used you know, today all the time and people with eyes to see will know what that is and what that means. It's supposed to have some kind of magical power to them, that esoteric kind of power. Right. And so there's that distinction between there and the adept that connects to, you know, Crowley and Theosophy and Blavatsky. Um, but that's kind of the idea at these upper levels. If you go to 33 degree, I heard it stated, and I don't know if this is true, and I'd like to look further into it at some point, but the idea that once you become a 33 degree Mason, you are asked, and if you got any guys out there are 33 degree Masons, let me know. Have you been tapped? Have I been? No, no. Sorry, I was oh. talking to the audience. <laughs> That'd be crazy if it's you rhetorical. were. Why not me? The question is given to you in essay form if you are asked to read the essays and the works of Albert Pike. And actually, um, I was sent this also by uh, Dustin, our listener, who is a Freemason. He's reading this now, Morals and Dogma. Oh, yeah. Um, which really goes into the symbolism, uh, the, the different rites and uh, in other insights into Freemasonry, from what I understand. But you're asked to read the more esoteric works by people like this. And the people that were interested in influencing humanity through the secrecy of Freemasonry and like, and this is what we, what our purpose is as a Mason art, which is what we should be doing. And they would think for the better, right? Right. And if you wrote back saying like, yes, I agree, we should influence humanity in this way. And I agree with these tenets. Then you're tapped to move. You, you get your 33 degree, but you get to move into this, this quiet group within the structure, which would be referred to as the Illuminati, right? Adam Weishaupt's Varian Illuminati. So that book then that was written by Albert Pike, Morals and Dogma, he's a, he was a 33 degree Mason and he's basically divulging all this information back in what year? Like well, 18 no, there's, something? I think, no, there's still secret. He was basically, it's more philosophy from what I understand. Okay, okay. The insights of his thinking about what Freemasonry is, uh, there, I'm sure there's a lot of esoteric stuff. I, I haven't read it yet. Uh, but the, anyways, the, what I had heard and, I, and it sucks because I can't remember where this came from. This is kind of the key piece I wanted to find out was when do you make that bridge between being just a, a good 33-degree Mason, like Jess, her grandfather was a 33-degree and was supposedly a great guy, you know, and he seemed bewildered when she asked him, like, you know, do you do a lot of devil worship? Like, what's going on in there, you know? <laughs> right. uh, so there's this distinction of people in there. Um, and where does that happen? So the so if you get tapped, so the idea that like you're asked a question, if you answer in the correct way or the way they want, you get tapped. If you if you say, actually, I think we should be pragmatic and, and change the world for the better through our works, but we don't secretly affect people through what some like Albert Pike might suggest, if that's the idea, um, then those people still get their 33 degree, but then they don't get the extra letter that says, hey, meet up here at midnight. Right, that's where they stop. What's the, what's the password? 
Fidelio. <laughs> That's the password of the house. What's the password oh, yeah. of the party? And then he said, Top Gun. Bum, bum. <laughs> Top Gun. May I have the password, please? Fidelio. That's right, sir. That is the password for admittance. But may I ask, what is the password for the house? I'm sorry, I... I seem to have forgotten it. Such a good movie, man. That's Eyes Wide Shut. We definitely need to do one on Kubrick and Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Uh, I looked into that a little bit for this episode. It was just too too much to get into, so I stopped. But I did keep some notes for later. That's what the whole mask thing is. It's one giant ritual. There we go. Hey, well, coming up, <laughs> we're going to get into some of the stuff we're seeing today and uh, some more Bohemian Grove stuff. And that's John's opinion. No one else's. That's right, John. Well, we all have our opinions, and we'll get to them. We're going to talk about them here. So we're going to get real with you guys. We're going to get... Okay, stay I'm going gonna... to stop singing everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, guys, stay with us. We're going to get into a little nitty-gritty coming up, a little more Bohemian Grove background and lore, and uh, a little bit of Drake, because who doesn't love Drake? I don't know his music, but I hear he's great. It's looking like we might not get to the Skull and Bones stuff if we don't manage to get to the Skull and Bones and the infiltration into our world today, which there's some interesting information in there. We'll be doing that in the expansion probably. But uh, really, really interesting stuff. Great book about oh, there's that. There's so much fascinating stuff yeah. about that, man. So I hope we definitely need to do it, if we, even if we don't get into it. In this, We'll see how it plays out in this episode. Yeah, so if you feel like uh, you need more content, feel free to go to Believable.com and sign up for the expansion episodes we Love our patrons. Yes, amen to that. All right, we'll be right back. Bye. Welcome back. We are back and better than ever. Welcome back to Jeremy Explains History. <laughs> it wasn't that boring. No, I I enjoyed it. It's very dense information. You said that to me with dead eyes. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I, 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 I have I arms gripping it. your seat. I know I enjoyed it. It was very dense. <laughs> I, like, I love dense, hard to digest things. <laughs> Goes no, well I, with a glass of bourbon. <laughs> I, I think you're scratching a niche of the research sort. I think that some people really enjoy, you know? Yeah. And I, I hope it feels it's a little... It's nice to get back into that a little. It feels a little flustered because like we said, it is a subject that so, has so many tentacles in different mm -hmm. areas. And so you, you want to jump to other aspects. There's a lot of lore too. Oh yeah! Oh, it's, it's such a yeah. it's a modern staple like conspiracy yeah. mythos. Anyone that's you know? actually looked into this stuff, it's mm -hmm. like it, it spawns a lot of ideas. Even if you're just a kid who was familiar with the TV show Gargoyles, the animated yeah. series, that's where I first heard of Illuminati in like '94 mm -hmm. with that cartoon. I think they stretch back to Avalon and King Arthur, mm -hmm. and yeah, Gargoyles, great show. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of gargoyles. It show holds up. Okay, let's get into it, huh? All right, where do we leave off? Where, where are we going, Jerry? Okay. Take us down this conspiracy trail. All right, so as I mentioned in, in that letter, I should say as George Washington mentioned and I reread, he mentioned 
The word you may not be familiar with, Chris, or John, perhaps. I'm familiar with pretty much everything at this point. They used to call him Jonathan Vocab Parfit back in high school. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was in Washington's quote where he says, essentially, it is, does not doubt that the doctrines of the Illuminati and principles of Jacobinism have not spread in the United States. On the contrary, he's fully satisfied of that fact, he says. So Jacobinism, like I mentioned, it's the... Um, I just looked that up, actually, because I was you? curious when you were reading that quote. Go for it, Chris. What, is this, what does the internet tell you? Uh, it is, according to dictionary.com, um, a Jacobin is a member of a democratic club established in Paris in 1789. The Jacobins were the most radical and ruthless of all the political groups formed in the wake of the French Revolution. And in association with Robespierre, they instituted the terror of 1793 to 94. Okay. That's also a Dominican friar. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, what, that's what I thought you were referring to. Oh, naturally. Yeah. yeah. So that might have some some familiarities with kind of the, the crisis in our culture right now, what's going on with the world, right? That just that revolutionary kind of movement without real organization that ends up creating a kind of... Chaos. Um, a chaos, right. That uh, chaos that kind of attacks the foundations of a constitutional republic, right? Mm-hmm. The civil rights and liberties that are guaranteed to everyone in this constitutional republic when you start moving towards mob rule. But that, that was essentially the idea behind... This idea behind the Illuminati that was spawned. So at Jacobinism, that's where Weishaupt initially began. He was involved with that, decided he wanted to start his own, right? And decided the Freemasonry would be the, the great place to do that because of the influence and that the structures were already there. Right, kind of like we talked about earlier. Exactly. Yeah, I was just reiterating. So where do we see this today? So the idea that that his ideas were kind of built off of Jacobinism, the Illuminati being birthed. So in the book, Proof of a Conspiracy, the book allegedly exposes the plans of the Illuminati, right? Right, right. And so these are, and this comes from the Jim Duke perspective. So this is kind of his his breakdown of taking from proof of conspiracy and writing out the principles in a, in a summary sort of fashion. And some of this might sound familiar, John. So where do we see these principles today? The plans, according to Robeson's book, can be simplified in these six principles. One, abolish monarchies and all ordered governments. Two, abolish private property and inheritance. Three, abolish patriotism and nationalism. Four, abolish family life and the institution of marriage. Five, the establishment of communal education for children. Everyone learn what we tell you. Six, abolish religion. So the plans of these... So th- that was the Illuminati principles? Coming from, from the, yeah, the proof of um, way, way back then. conspiracy. Way back then. Well, this, and this is what happened in France. Well, you could say with the revolution, cut off the heads of the monarchy to stabilize. Mm-hmm. The argument would be, especially from an elite intellectual push from this secretive group inside the institutions in these different areas of pop culture, uh, government, whatever. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Why aren't they stopping this from happening? And the argument would be, it, I mean, it does work perfectly along with this book that was published in the you know late 1700s, early 1800s, um, warning of this is how to destabilize a country, break it down, and then infiltrate from inside. Right. Right. So that's when you see signs of the Illuminati symbols and stuff. It's not just the the symbols, right? It's not just a pyramid on the dollar bill or a pyramid on Jay-Z's shirt, right? The idea is that those references are there and they're allowed to be there, but there's still evidence of a movement going on that is reflected by the original Illuminati principles of divide and conquer, take over from within, destroy, destabilize. Can you read those again real quick? Yeah. Abolish monarchies and all ordered governments. Abolish private property and inheritance. Abolish patriotism and nationalism. Abolish family life and the institution of marriage. The establishment of communal education for children. So, you know, brainwashing essentially. Abolish religion. So anything that you have 
that can give you kind of a center, I think, in right. a personal life. A grounding in society, like community and not community established by the state. Right. I mean, all this stuff is happening right now. It's obviously well down the road in our society. Right. And these tenets to me don't sound bigoted. They don't sound, or to be against these tenets, I should say. Like, I, for instance, abolish patriotism and nationalism. Like, I've never been like growing up, I was, you know, never liked you know, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I wasn't like a super patriotic right. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. It yeah. felt like I was very anti-authority. Yeah. Right. And I still had like, that's in my heart. I, you know, resonate with that. At the same time, if you want to take, if you want to create a one world government, which was a term that's been around for a long time, you have to get rid of all the nations. Right. You know, you have to, you, put have, to around, you have to get rid of the tie, the fabric that holds a nation together. Exactly. Anything you can agree and, on. You know, I, I think that can, the nationalism and the patriotism can go way too far too. Right. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. yeah. and, but right now we're swinging so far in the other direction. Right. I think maybe in like the nineties, it was too far the other way. And mm-hmm. now we've gone completely to the other side. Exactly. And, that's a problem if you want, I mean, what holds a nation together is commonality. Mm-hmm. If you don't have something to you hold you together, yeah. it's, you're going to fall apart. Well, the yeah, same. that used to be the, the ideals of America was kind of what brought every, right. End. You could unite it under the country, the ideals of freedom and individualism right. and freedom mm-hmm. of speech. Yeah. It was like the beautiful, that's what I love. I don't know how much it's true, but it seemed very true, at least in like eighties pop culture, you watch like, you know, movies and it seems like it doesn't, didn't matter which race or creed you happen to be, right. but there seemed to be this sort of patriotism that people were sort of the like, A-team. there wasn't such a divisive narrative going on. Right. All this time. country really does give you an unbelievable amount of opportunity. And that was what people used to love. I mean, you can attack it from every level, but compared to the rest of the world, it's by far and away one of the best places to live. Exactly. The best way to destroy something that has some goodness to it is to convince everyone that it's evil. Right. Right. So you, you know, you look at a place like, yeah, the United States where the two, I mean, to me, the most like beautiful, moral, inspiring attributes you can have is freedom and the protection of your individual rights to express that freedom. Right. Right. And you can, you know, do say whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, the government can't interfere with that. The government should protect your right to have that, but it should never operate in a way that interferes with that. You're guaranteed that freedom. That's how it's supposed to be. And that's why it's a constitutional republic and not a democracy, which is essentially mob rule without that constitution. So... Uh, Let's wrap up up these principles. Okay. Uh, As the Illuminati would infiltrate societies, it would overthrow standing leaders and replace them with their agents. This idea continues. Using wars and revolutions as persuasive means in which its purpose would be to direct all governments to abide under a one world government, using its influence through libraries and media, as well as education to indoctrinate with a globalist ideology compatible with this agenda. Libraries. Right. And I do remember the when I went to college in uh, 2004, I remember the we had a word of the year. And it was on banners everywhere. It was a word that we were all supposed to learn. Synergy? Globalism. Oh. Was the word of the year. Synergy, yeah. Really? In 2004? Uh-huh. That was like the, the good buzzword that we should learn, and this is very important for, you know. This is a the long process. Like, this stuff has been planned out for a very long time, and these things that are happening, including the coronavirus that's being used to manipulate... Right, to use something for fear like that. I mean, I'm not saying it's not real, because I do think it's real, but it's being manipulated. Right. The crisis is being taken to the next level. Never let a good to crisis To traumatize go to waste. people. It's not going to go away. We all know that at this point. But where this is going to go. <laughs> I don't know that. I think it'll go away eventually. I'm just saying like what I, what I think is probably going to happen with this long term is you're going to see cash go away at some point. They're going to say it's, it's too dangerous to have cash. So every single transaction can be recorded and monitored yeah. at that point. If they're successful, right? If, if this is true and if these, if this, these groups are successful, I mean, you're saying that'd be the goal. 
Yeah, right? it's that's going to happen regardless. I mean, cash is already, they're already not accepting cash in a lot of places right now. That's an inevitability. That's yeah. going to go away. But I mean, right. for the dark purposes, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, there's always a debate as why it's happening, you know, but this has been predicted for a long time yeah. as far as like once money becomes digital and you can no longer hand someone a personal transaction to trade goods or services, food, whatever, then you can completely can cut off someone's supply and right. resources. I'm not trying to go down this road. I'm just saying you can see the next step if you eliminate cash. You can't live in the society unless you're approved. Right. It's a very logical progression right. of thought. I mean, if you know, if you're cynical because of conspiracies you've seen throughout our lives like mm -hmm. we have you like know, for like, the last 20 years yeah the reason the reason that our show is a paranormal conspiracy show is because we've been into you know 9-11 being inside job all these things that, like we can't even say now that like I don't want to get flagged because I just said that you know what I mean like this <laughs> that's is one of the lesser con conspiracies I feel at this like point. I know. when we started the show leading up to that point conspiracies were not as dangerous to discuss now I feel like if you say it you can be labeled with all sorts of terrible mm -hmm. slurs if you say that you are interested in quote conspiracy theories if, you, if some of that intrigues you and you like to look into that kind of stuff and especially if you talk about it publicly especially if you have an audience then it's yeah it gets a little uh fishy it gets a little um hairy I guess is well, the yeah. word because they've weaponized ideas at this point right yeah you weaponize terms like that like conspiracy theory and and it's all through television and programming and right it's, it's a very downer of an episode <laughs> like that kind of so that well that kind of brings us back to the point of why we want to do this episode and the idea that just to show you this stuff is real I mean the Illuminati and it can be fun to you know talk about it and referencing Jay-Z and people who you know wear it on their t-shirt like that's like it's a cool brand but to know that there is, there's established history behind this stuff and there were established agendas that were written down and passed forward to say whether it's real or not now, you right. can look at the signs and make that decision, you know? Yeah, and I think that's the argument. I think that's the discussion and that's why people keep looking into this stuff is because it's complex to find out if there's a group and if there is a group, which, you know, policies are being enacted because of this group. I mean, that's, you know, people spend their whole lives just researching that. I think most people, though, that are looking into this realize that a lot of the pushes that are happening right now are moving us in this direction. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's, I've heard that before for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, this is a downer episode. We, we don't, I'm optimistic. I think we're going to make it through. I'm not saying, well, we don't know for sure, but if we don't have conversations like this, we won't. Right, but you're firm on the fact that this is going on. There is this group and they are doing these things because of I don't know these. how you, after all, I just don't know how you couldn't think that at this point. Well, I think different people have different values of evidence. And I don't think you're wrong. I mean, Jeremy, are you 100% sure? Uh, that there is an Illuminati. I think it's likely. Whether there is an Illuminati, there are globalist agendas that are pushing us in a certain... I, I just don't know how... What about good secret societies? Have you thought about that? <laughs> I would like to think that's true. Have you heard of the Seven? Uh, it's not impossible. They're certainly being very secretive about if that's right. the case. Interesting. There's, I didn't realize how many secret societies there are until looking at this episode, but there's hundreds. Yeah, I think it's totally possible that, that this won't happen the way that they want it to right. happen. Yeah, I think if it was, I mean, this is just my thought as Chris speaking, but I feel like if everything was easy, frolic through the meadows for, you know, the darker secret societies, I feel like we would have gotten to places faster. I've got a feeling that if these things are happening because of this secretive negative group, there's probably opposite forces like everything in the universe that are pushing well, they have back. The, the plan, like Agenda 21, Agenda right. 2030, Agenda 2050, like they have it written out where they're taking this. Yeah. But and they I, always they always cloak it in like this yeah, is for good. Right. right. So like that's the, the debate. whole green energy thing. Right, exactly. Some people see that as like the saving of humanity. True. And I, I totally understand that side. But if we get rid of fossil fuels very quickly, we won't have 
industrialized society anymore. Right. I think you need to have a balance. Like if you're going to do that eventually. That's what we think. But the top down doesn't care about that. They want a large percentage of the population off the earth, in my opinion. No, I think you're right. right? But I think where we sometimes disagree is that I think you think it can happen quickly without consent of the people. Well, this isn't a quick thing. This has been happening for decades. I'm talking about getting rid of fossil fuels before we have another option. You right. think that's going to happen? Where I feel like well, it depends on who have gets to, in office, right? But I mean, they have to pass certain. I mean, I don't want to get into politics because I think they're both messed up at this point. Yeah. But the the Green New Deal, they want to get rid of fossil fuels by twenty thirty, I think, completely gone, which would cause a level of disruption that would be hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. You know, California's right now is going through blackouts because they've already started down this road and they have right. to shut off their power during the day because yeah. they don't have power. Yeah, and that's a way to destabilize is to put restrictions on that you can't handle as a society exactly. at the moment. Then you destabilize it and you can throw things into chaos and out of chaos comes order, and which if, is the idea of the new world order. if you do want a large percentage of people off the planet... Which is what they is talk about in the, the Georgia Guidestones that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you create a, a huge destabilization, a lot of people are going to die. I mean, these are unpleasant things. And again, doesn't mean that any of this is going to happen, right. but I know there are people that want this to happen that are powerful. And the more people are at least aware of this when they see things changing, mm-hmm. at least we have some form of potential ideological pushback. Right. But if people don't understand these concepts at all, then they can be cloaked in yeah. these nice terms that actually can be potentially really dangerous for societies. It's funny how like people can look at people in power and call them evil because they were involved in a war, like starting a war, they're evil because of the, it came out this is what they did to children or something. It's like really dark stuff. But they would never be involved in a plot of some sort of elite Overstructuring of society because no well, one's, they do it to other no countries, no but really, not our country. Right, exactly. There's so that's the, that kind of um, I don't want to say cognitive bias, but that that incongruent way of thinking where yeah, I believe there are evil people at upper echelons or people doing really bad things, and I believe a lot of them are organized, but I don't believe that there is any sort of organized movement to, like you said, de- depopulate or destabilize or whatever. Some people just have a problem thinking that way, you know, or they don't want to think well, about it. Well, a lot of people have a hard time thinking that other people think differently than them. Right. They may not think they're being malevolent. They think this is the way it has to be in right. order to save the earth or Well, that's whatever. the point is, yeah, you like Chris said, you make something sound good. Like I don't, I would like us to be on renewable energy. Right. We all sure. want a cleaner planet. Absolutely. And this is the problem that gets, always gets missed in these conversations. I feel like people are fighting about the way to get to where everyone wants to be. Right. Everyone wants a cleaner planet. Everybody wants renewable energy, all this stuff. But the argument is, is there a necessity to push it so fast that it's going to be really disruptive that could cause a lot of harm? And that'll get painted as good, like, let's do it now. But then you don't consider the possibility that there are certain factions that want it to happen fast in order to destabilize, which it sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but that's just one aspect of how these things move forward. You know? Right. Well, I mean, people say it's a crazy conspiracy theory that they want a lot less people on the earth going right. forward. Better for the planet. Exactly. And even Bill Clinton was quoted as saying early, like, 2000s, I think, mm-hmm. saying... The only way we can keep 7 billion people on the planet is if we go back to an agrarian system. Oh, that's insane. That was that's like true. 20 years ago. So there are people at these upper echelons that know that this is where they want it to. They just don't think that we can be on, for whatever reason, whether yeah. it has to do with rituals or not, or they have some satanic overlord. I have no idea. <laughs> right, right. But it seems like they just don't think either the planet can sustain that, which I'm not saying it can either. I don't know. But they, they feel like they have a duty 
to basically be the deciders of that. Well, yeah, and that goes back to the whole idea of there being this kind of elite movement, right, that is kept secret from the people where they are making decisions they think is best for the world as right. they see it. And part of this destabilization goes to the idea of a new world order, right, destroying oh my gosh, individual should, nations. And, there's a, a UN song that just came out. United a song? Na- a song that just came out literally like a week ago. And they're talking about for the new world order. It's so insane. Oh, are you Little serious? Little children like that singing word? the new world order. That's a funny <laughs> man. Yeah. I should find it. We'll drop it. Yeah, we'll drop it. That's so funny, man. Are we going to talk about owls? You yeah, are. no, we're done with that heavier stuff. I knew it was going to... It's hard not to because it's... It's hard to because like, there are people out there of all different political persuasions, you right. know, and you get into this stuff and it triggers people. We try to avoid this kind well, of conversation. And also because, but this is a conspiracy channel. I mean, we, we start... It was our roots, you know. I mean, there's a lot of people that probably haven't heard this side of us, or but all the patrons probably have yeah. at this point. But it is part of who we are, yeah. and we're not trying to offend it's anybody. It's not about being political or being on one side. It's about... It's not political at all. No. It just happens to, right now, because of the climate, everything's so charged. Right, if this was say if we had the show in the 90s, it would sound very anti-Bush and pro-Kerry, right. because I thought that he was anti-war, even though he's one of the skull and bones, yeah. just like Bush was. And it was a false uh, option there between the presidents, and that'll we'll get to that in the expansion. Yeah, we, we do try to balance this. You know, We definitely are not here to offend anyone or express political beliefs in any one way. Just trying to be honest. Just trying to be honest. As we see And also, yeah, as we see it. And we don't all agree, obviously. No, Chris Chris is a little more hesitant about stuff. (laughs) And I was thinking about this the other day. If you weren't so passionate, John, and Chris wasn't so reluctant to get off the fence, as you would say, you know what I mean? To pick a side or whatever. If he wasn't so objective looking at things and and trying to keep his perspective in that space, then our show would not be nearly balanced. balanced we'd be either you know i don't know if anything's real or we'd be like everything is real right. so john is the one that is fully on board with all this and chris <laughs> is the one that's definitely more hesitant we can say that so there is someone yeah. who doesn't think necessarily that this is all playing out the way right it's all illuminati is you know whatever and to speak illuminati. for myself and again i'm not saying that i completely disagree with john at all i think there's definitely secret societies have existed and i do think they still they i mean we know they still exist in different kinds of forms. I think to the breadth of involvement that they have around the world, that's still debated. Uh, I think there's plenty of evidence. It doesn't even necessarily have to be secret societies at this point, though. Like, globalist is a better word. Sure, yeah, but that's Chris a whole other topic. Ge- I mean, right. Chris means an agenda. The same, you know, the same outcome could potentially right, be but because I, of it. And I think where we sometimes disagree is I think people are a little more varied than mm-hmm. like completely one way or the other. And I think when in these conversations, people kind of get pigeonholed into like, these are these guys, these are the bad guys. These guys are the good guys, you know, where I think people are a little more gray. I think that's sometimes where we where we debate. Well, even people at the top, a lot of them are, that might be involved have good intentions potentially. Yeah, well, that's the thing is they think they're doing the right thing. If, they, if they're wanting to get rid of a certain number of people off right. the planet, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that that's wrong or? yeah. I think anybody would agree that's wrong. Well, well not everybody. I mean, most people listen. I, I talk to people that, like some friends that think that they're like, yeah, well, we need to get rid of a lot of people. And I'm like, well, that means you. And he's like, well, that means you. <laughs> like we're going like, together. Yeah. But do you think someone has the right, right, to, right. D- to decide that for and you? And obviously I'm in agreement with you on that point right. for sure. It's an idealistic look with a, uh, a severe solution. I mean, there are a lot of people that think that, that we have too many people on the planet. 
mm-hmm. know, that, that we're, we're at the end of resource development on the, I don't think that I think we can always come up with new things. And I think there's technology being held back from yeah. us, but that's such a, a gray area where you, there's certain people that think that they are going to be the ones to decide that. And that's what social engineering is about. Like the idea of like, um, having less children, you know, like these ideas are pumped out into society to slow down population growth. And that's a personal choice to think whether that's a good or a bad thing, but it's being done. Like there are agendas out there, you know, we can get in other things, but I'm just saying there is some, some sorts of propaganda. Yes. To lessen the load on the planet. Right. And that's, there's a lot of people that think that that's a good idea because obviously they think there's too many people on the planet. And yeah, there's obviously good intentions behind some of that from different people. So yeah, the whole point is we want to provide information and a perspective on how we see this stuff happening and show you that there is evidence for there being some kinds of agendas throughout right. history through secret orders. And, that, and it's fascinating. Who doesn't love a good mystery and some juicy secrets? But uh, Don't take this as a political show or a political right. you know, debate or anything like that. Right. Just presenting some ideas, you know, take yeah. it with a grain of salt. We'll be back to ghosts next week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It really does all connect in, in in some interesting ways when it comes to like the supernatural, magic, uh, the occult, and the esoteric, and groups at the top that are trying to use those tools to elicit their agendas in different ways. Like that's all this stuff ends up tying together at some point down the line. Mm. It all leads to owls. It all, all leads, leads to, owls. to Lady Gaga. All leads to Drake. <laughs> uh, yeah, where are we at now? All I feel roads like, uh, lead to Lady Gaga. Well, we're on page three of eleven. Okay, yeah. So let's do it, guys. Let's go for it. <laughs> This is a question I've been concerned with for a while. So, like we mentioned briefly, the Bohemian Club, right? Bohemian Grove. Uh, it's still going on, right? They still have these, like, yeah. yearly they do these? The elites meet up in the, the woods of... I think what, it's every year. What is it? Monte, uh, what's that town in California? There's a club that meets regularly in San Francisco. But then the, Mont- the big Mont- Monterio, is in, Yeah, Monterio. Monterio. That's where the Grove is? Yeah. I thought it was in Bohemian Grove. It's called Bohemian Grove, <laughs> actually, because it started by the Bohemian Club. By the club. Bohemian Club. Right which started like a hundred years ago. And initially it was supposed to be like, you know, authors and artists coming together. And the, I guess the Bohemian was less of like a hippie idea. It was more of like upper crust society. And then, which is ironic because then San Francisco turned into sort of a hippie area, <laughs> which is the opposite of the sort of Bohemian that they were shooting for. Right. But um, yeah, it's been around for a while. Well, what happened? Where are we going with this? <laughs> we're talking about Bohemian Grove. Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyways, long story Owl. short. Owls. We, owls. This is not an episode on the Bohemian Grove. and that, I would have enjoyed that more. <laughs> I think it would be cool to do an episode on that at some point, if, if you guys out there are interested to get go in, in depth with it. But yeah, essentially, we mentioned it's a group of elites meeting in the, the forest and having naked parties and no women are allowed, at least after dark. After dark, right. They're allowed there during the day. Yeah. There's a little suspect. And how this ties in um, is one of the symbols of the Illuminati, Bavarian Illuminati, stretching back, is the Owl of Minerva. Now, the owl that we see in the Bohemian Grove video, we'll link that in the show notes. Um, yeah, let's play, let's play the clip. Okay. So shall we burn thee once again this night? Flames that eat thine empty. We shall read the sign. Midsummer sets us free. You shall burn thee once again. <laughs> so that was... Uh, recorded in the, the forest of the Bohemian Grove. And if you if you didn't follow along in the, with the show notes where we have the video, um, essentially there is a large, you can just Google it, there's this gigantic owl, um, and beneath it there are people in robes. Robing it up? Robing it up. It's sort of like a play, that's reminds me of it. It like, is, it is a play, it's the cremation of care. It's a ritual ceremony to, like we said, to, to burn the care and the worry of the year. 
Um, Don't they sacrifice a fake child too? It's, it's a not fake a child. It's like a. It's a supposed dummy. to be a. It represents care, but it's a human figure. Yeah, they yeah, burn. Yeah. It's a baby. I think it's bigger than a baby, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's. When it's I a held fake it, child. It was, oh, well, I guess it's semantics. What? Nothing. So the the point is, it's a supposedly a mock human effigy, right? Not real is the idea, right? Um, and then you hear people that you know refute that, but. As far as we can tell, and some of the inside footage... At least of, the one that Alex Jones recorded was not a real person, right? I don't think. Yeah, so that's where some of the confusion was, that it was to venerate uh, Baal, the ancient god of child sacrifice. That's what we said we, we talked about in our um, unicorn episode. Right. Which we were wrong about, you're saying now? It wasn't well, Baal. I'm still not sure about that. A lot of people refute that and say that, that it's specifically goddess worship of Minerva, which is the owl. So anyways, we're sorry, were you going to say something, John? You... I was just thinking maybe it wasn't a baby. It was like an actual, but it was a human effigy. It was a human effigy for sure. So I don't know if you guys all know this or not, but initially before like the elites took it over, I forget when exactly this happened, but they had it recarved. It was a statue of Buddha. That makes sense. And they cut it. Yeah. Back when it was, you know, hundred years ago and it was a bunch of like artists and stuff. Right. Poets getting together as Buddha. It was more Eastern and they cut it and shaped it into a crude form of Minerva, the owl, Mm. which you now see on Drake's hoodie. Because that makes sense. (laughs) Um, there is a lot of symbolism in modern culture. Oh, for sure. And this goes back to that what we were saying earlier about how you see this in pop culture all the time and it gets kind of like laughed at and it's, or it's a cool brand idea. But a lot of times it's just, just so, people it's don't just know what it is. It's so pervasive. And there's most of people don't. Most people don't know what a lot of this stuff means, like the checkered board on the every single black and music white. video. Yeah. Like the one hand over the eye. Mm-hmm. That's everywhere right it's it's kind of hard to even believe how many people do the one hand over the eye which is a, a is that an illuminati ritual or symbolism I, it's pretty sure it's freemasonic i don't know if it's uh masonic, freemasonic. well i guess it would be if if we're what the point that we're making is that there's this infiltration of the illuminati then a lot of the, the symbolism and stuff would be uh either uh begun by the illuminati used by the illuminati in some way like the checkerboard you see that that's supposed to represent the balance of good and evil but it's a masonic symbolism and it's in like so many music videos. It's on people are even when like it's a hideous looking set, they'll have that and they'll have like it also represents some a ritual, doesn't it? Like just having it like well, yeah, there's a ritual that's uh, I forget which ritual it is. Um, and maybe that book Dustin sent will have it by um Pike, but one of the rich initiation rituals, I think it's initiation, there are different levels you get to. And since the black and white checkerboard floor is, is a part of a Masonic lodge certain rituals will be done there. Like, for instance, Pink. Remember when she had that ritual? The award ceremony? Was that an award ceremony? Or, or a football game, I don't know. Yeah, we covered this in the Illuminati card game Patreon episode, but when she had like, she had one pant leg missing, like the oh, one right. rolled up pant leg, she had a blindfold on, which is part of the initiation ceremony, and it was on a checkerboard floor. And she was like raised down from the ceiling or something. But there was an exact mock design of an Illuminati initiation. And you can just Google Pink Masonic ritual and you'll see side by side that award ceremony or whatever it was and that you know image from one of the lodges of the ceremony like sketches you know what's it'll... really interesting about this is the fact that a vast majority of this like occult ritual stuff happens in music videos and in musical performances way more than like hollywood movies mm-hmm. and i was reading something last night about how music used to be considered magic mm-hmm. just playing spellbinding it. so like the idea that it was like witchcraft and magic were just people that knew how to play music. It was considered magic in itself. Right. So you think about that with, you know, at people actually performing this and it's done for music. It's like you're casting spells right. almost. Interesting connection. Uh, masonry is also referred to as the craft. 
hmm. by Masons. But that's, you know, because of stonemasonry, crafting. But in, stagecraft. In, in Freemasonry. <laughs> stagecraft. <laughs> in Freemasonry, they're, they have rituals, right? Like, I know that's part of their, mm-hmm. their thing. And it's sort of this mix of mis- mysticism with a little Christianity, with obviously, like, guild stuff. Mm-hmm. But is it ever, like, a ceremony to conjure like a magical thing the reason i'm asking is because i'm thinking like i'm playing devil's advocate here obviously but uh like in a like a pink performance or something and where there's where it's obvious masonic symbolism but not everybody's going to see that people right. who know will see it but is it possible like what is the intent of doing that are you saying you think it's for casting a magical spell or is it like a nod to other people who just happen to be freemasons like i think it's probably both well, it's at least evidence that there is Masonic influence at the highest levels of media, for instance, right? Because right? there are there claims. I that, mean, just using people's energy and then. But I, but is that right. a thing of with Freemasons? That sort of well, a lot occult of st- stuff. Again, a lot of the stuff is going to be at the higher levels, right? Mm. Uh, that, so that's the argument. If once you get past thirty, well, then no, there, there might be a secretive, more like magical sort of side right. of Freemasonry. There is a magical side of Freemasonry. I mean, there are. Oh, that's right. That's true. There, I guess there, there are Masons is. that write about this. You yeah, know, like Pike, for instance, was one of those um, magic with a K. In some of these instances, but uh, so there is that esoteric, magical, occulted side of Freemasonry, and I mean that's a whole side we can get into, and we can't claim to know the intentions of every ritual that we see in a music video, but it's enough to say, I think, for my purposes, to say that there is a heavy influence of uh, a Masonic influence, and by proxy, Illuminati influence. If we go with some of the earlier stuff in this episode, showing that there is Illuminati influence in Masonry, um, and at the higher levels, like there can be Masons watching these performances and not make the connection, you know, on the lower levels, but at the higher levels and beyond is some of this stuff planned and are there purposes behind it? You know, we're not gonna be able to answer that right now, but I think that, you know, John and I definitely more in that direction. Like there, there are kind of ceremonial purposes to this, these kinds of mass media displays. I think just by the fact that there's a large mass of people watching these things, Mm -hmm. like the video music awards, like they're participating in a ritual. There, there's got to be a, a reason they're using those eyeballs and that energy. They would plan it so meticulously and precisely. Like, what will be the intention of that? Right? If they I mean, didn't if have you're, some if purpose, you're practicing, if you're practicing some sort of occult ritual, mm-hmm. like the more people involved, the more energy is going to be directed. Now, whether or not they know they're participating, right? I think probably is irrelevant well, to even, these people, dude. Even the that podcast that. I referenced earlier the once you came there was you know it's done by a Freemason um, and I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff yet but he sounds he definitely knows what he's talking about and the guy he had on they were discussing uh, how magic in the Bible and a lot of other places or the grimoires the common people are forbidden to use it but the high priests were allowed and part of the argument was that magic does not belong to the people it can't the common people cannot have it because if if a common person casts a spell say or something or creates a lot of energy that they can harness and conjure and then they can use it to negatively affect the king right mm-hmm. right so the king's allowed the, yeah so basically but the regular folk aren't it's too dangerous to let the masses have it so too dangerous for the people in charge yeah right exactly so that's kind of one of the, the points that i thought was interesting was you know if that's true and that's part of the reasons why it is uh so banned and not talked about especially today mm-hmm. um it's belittled and you know has no power is that if everyone knew that it had power then they would be more at risk from those kinds of. And I'm not. I'm not promoting like obviously getting into yeah, the cult right, or anything, yeah. but um, that idea that like well, it would have less power over people too if they are using it to sort of keep a certain level safety. of power. Exactly. Over people. Yeah. people knew what they were doing. Hidden it knowledge. wouldn't work. Right, and that's what the occult is. It's it's hidden knowledge, hidden information, hidden craft. Right. And uh, like I think magic can be a. And I don't. You know, I'm not a magician, obviously, but uh, me. I mean, it's funny thing now. But uh, there, it is kind of a, a tool, and I think that. When it's used by certain groups, like the elite, for instance, um, in my theory, 
that it can be used for yeah harnessing energy, um, moving the world in a certain direction, whatever it is, um, in a dark way. And I but I don't think it's itself necessarily like that evil thing. I think people can wield it as such. And I could see a threat, you know, if you were in power and you know my army didn't help me against like uh, Mephedra, the sweet witch who bakes bread and you know ca- casts happy spells. <laughs> you will be a better king. Yeah. against the cabbage anyway, spells. That's neither here nor there. We're talking about owls, but that's kind of a, a I hope an interesting uh, a no, that was direction because you asked the question about intention, right? No, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up or I'm glad I brought that up. All right, so I'll finish this this aspect here about the owl and then that's probably gonna be it for this episode and then we'll get into the expansion with some more, some of the skull and bones and the, some more creepy secret society stuff. Skull and bones is a whole... Oh, it's a whole thing, whole man. Thing. And there are leaders that are... Yeah, yeah. The expansion is going to be. Well, we'll get into it a little bit, but it's going to be a little more colorful, I think, a little more quick bites of intrigue. I think mm-hmm. this one has been a really in-depth look at more history. More history. There's a little bit of history in the expansion, but there's also contemporary accounts of people being hushed, things right. like that. Some evidence and and also you know descriptions of the in- interior of the tomb of the skull. Yeah. Like there's if you're interested in the skull and you know, bones uh, and you want to hear us dive into it, definitely check out the expansion. But anyway, getting back to the owl, the owl of Minerva and the Bohemian Grove. Or Minerva. We keep saying we're going to talk about her. And- yeah, so she is also known as Athena. You may be familiar. I knew it, Athena. Your Greek and Roman mythology. Okay, so I grabbed this. This was an interesting, uh, from a research blog here. I'll link in the show notes. There's an image here. Now, this image uh, is two seals that are recovered. Like emblems, not like aquatic Mammals, right? <laughs> not yeah, not just imagine the bones like, of seals recovered from the ocean. No, no, no. An oil spill. The little seals almost look like they are, uh, would be hung on a necklace. Okay, a seal of, of Minerva. The Minerva seals of the Illuminati, two of three known to still exist, pictured here. We'll have in the show notes. Oh wow, they're actually from the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. This is from the Bavarian Illuminati. How much do you think Drake would pay for one of those? These are probably <laughs> photographed from his collection. Uh, PMCV, which is on the seal, stands for. Per me sassi vident. Through me the blind become sighted. An owl holding an open book signifying learning, surrounded by a laurel wreath, which we see all the time on the dollar bill and the great seal, um, a symbol of learning or graduation. Per me sassi vident was a reminder to the superiors of the class whose responsibility was to properly instruct the Minervals. These medallions were worn around the necks of Minervil initiates. So the Minervil initiates were a group, a school within the Illuminati. They were essentially the initiated group. So it's interesting to see that in the Bohemian Grove. I mean, it's a direct connection. And there's a lot of other pieces of evidence inside the Bohemian Grove that directly links... Oh, these are from the Bohemian Grove? No, no, no. This is from the Bavarian Illuminati. From, oh, okay. from Bavaria. Okay. Like a historical artifacts. But in the Bohemian Grove, we have the owl. And also there are plaques that you can see. Um, oh, shoot. I didn't grab this one image. But essentially, it's a, it's a sculpture of the Minerva owl um, missing its beak, one leg kind of half cut off. Ew. From like, you know, deterioration over time. Oh. <laughs> they sculpted it that way. <laughs> but uh, the original is in... Um, Gruesome. Original is in uh, Rome somewhere, I believe. It's, you know, it's from the, the old world. Uh, but they made a direct replica of this Minerval Owl in the Bohemian Grove. I mean, we'll put that in the show notes, the image, but... Just, Everything will be in the show notes. Right. Sorry. I keep saying <laughs> that. Just, the point being that it's direct evidence that that is who they are venerating, the goddess Minerva. And this is the owl, and that's why it's important, why it's seen there. Interesting. For a secret society called the Order of the Illuminati, emulating the ancient schools of wisdom and having a Minerval Academy as a foundation, would there have been a more fitting symbol than the Owl of Minerva? 
The class of Minerva was a relatively low rank in the scheme of things. Now, this is kind of interesting when it comes to Drake. However, it was the soul of the order and functioned as a sort of assembly line for recruits. Candidates advanced from novice to the Minerval degree, where they were properly vetted, scrutinized, and then indoctrinated. Another layer of owl symbolism was to assure its initiates that the Illuminati does its bidding at night, nocturnal toil. Ooh, sexy. It harkens back to the tradition of night being the mother of councils. Decedrius Erasmus, for instance, recorded the Latin adage, in nocte concilium, which means night is the mother of council. So the reason I'm bringing this all is about the owl. Are you saying Drake's wearing an owl because he's an initiate into the Illuminati? Right, he's specifically wearing the owl. Uh, his, <laughs> so this is his, actually this original uh, this original hoodie here that we'll have in the show notes. Uh, you can buy it for $900 on eBay. That's it? Uh, I guess so. Where's my wallet? <laughs> Um, and it's pictured right next to this one from Egypt. Oh, and the, the logo of the Bohemian Club is identical to that yeah. same representation. Same yeah, representation. I heard someone like flippantly say like, oh, Drake was wearing an owl shirt because he likes owls, duh, you conspiracy yeah, theorist. That was but it's a, an identical that owl. That was Vox. I watched oh, a video a on the Illuminati oh, by well, Vox. they're so reputable. Dude, it frustrated <laughs> me so much. I almost felt like the guy who did the research for the video, he made this big board with like red thread. I almost felt like he wanted to say more about it, but he couldn't and they made it kind of like, you know, Cut funny, tongue in cheek. And yeah. then they said, yeah, so all these guys who like weird owls, Drake likes an owl, you know, it's, you know, there's nothing to it, blah, blah, blah. But if you actually look at why, yeah. like he, so he was even sued about this icon by like a jeweler of the owl logo. Oh, really? And he said like, it's different than the jewelers because mine is specifically representative of an Egyptian hieroglyph. Yeah. And he has it tattooed on his back and it represents in hieroglyphs the letter M, supposedly, I think, and the letter M being Minerva. Minerva. I think- uh, Bohemian Grove. To me, it is- it's even closer to the actual logo of Bohemian Grove than yeah. even the Egyptian hieroglyph. And yet, like we talked about earlier, Saturn's sun behind the owl. And like we talked about earlier, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm more hesitant about this. I push back. Like I like to see a little more evidence. But I mean, even I can see that and say that's not. Oh, Drake likes owls. It's specifically the Bohemian it's a very Grove logo. Specific owl. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And OVO is his uh, label that he's on. Uh, I think it's label started by Oliver L. Khatib. If you say his name right, I don't know. Uh, but it's OVO. And if you look at OVO, the letters in caps, what is it? Oh, look it looks like? like an owl with it's a beak. identical to the oh, owl wow. eyes and the beak. Uh, Crazy. And That's creepy. Yeah. So, I mean, they could say they're just, you know, Minerva was the god of art. They're the goddess of arts and craft and that kind of thing. But it is mind-blowing how many of these high-level pop stars are so into the symbolism. It's not just a coincidence. And we, we yeah. did a show on it a long time ago, like one of our first episodes. But it's just, and it's not just one-offs. It's right. like every performance they're giving these credences. Not to every, these, but a ton. Pretty much everyone. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of music videos out there that don't have. You no, know, I'm talking about the high-level oh, pop stars like right. Katy Perry and yeah, they're, I mean, Lady Gaga. It's the words we don't get to use anymore: rampant and pervasive. It is. Remember those it's were like our key pervasive. Words. And I don't know what it all means, but it it's there's something going on with it. Yeah, they, I mean, they're definitely initiated, I believe. Right, initiated that's what into it seems, certainly seems like. Some secret societies, man. And there, I mean, if you want to take the celebrity occult route, there are so many ways. You, there's the Free Britney movement. One of our, uh, or oh, yeah. Save Britney, whatever it's called. One of our listeners actually wrote in about that. The idea that she's basically locked up and under control by, she, is it her father or someone, her handler? Mm -hmm. um, it's fascinating and some dark stuff out there with the celebrity occult. That, you know, I looked into that a little bit. It did seem like, 
I don't want to say a stretch, but it seemed like you had you really had to look but be- read between the lines of her like posts to try to pull out like a help me. She is stunted you know? at like a thirteen year old. Well, she has so many signs level. of MK Ultra. Yeah, like remember when she shaved her head at that yeah. one point and she was talking about like she just didn't. I can't remember exactly. I don't what she want was. anyone touching me anymore or something. She came in and she said she wanted her head shaved. The hairdresser refused, so she literally grabbed the hair clipper and started doing it herself. <laughs> Bradley, did she say why? I mean, did she yes. offer any information? They, they asked why she wanted to shave her head, and she said, I don't want anyone touching me. I'm tired of everybody touching me. Uh, another employee there told Us Magazine she wasn't making sense at all, and you could tell she's not in a good place at all, and that she's totally freaking out. It looked like a MK Ultra breakdown. Yeah, well, and there's always there's the symbolism of the blonde, the MK Ultra blonde, mm-hmm. you know, the bleach blonde and the... the Change the shift away from that into the dark, and then the, the buzzing of the hair would be a freedom of that because that th- it seems to be a trend though. In these, like, like Miley Cyrus and Katy Perry, yeah. they all have these like breakdowns at some point. Yeah, it always goes this direction, it always goes in this kind of dark direction, too. You know, a lot of it comes out of Disney, which is yeah. controversial to Disney fans out there, but oh, uh, boy. they are supposedly also one of the Illuminati families. Oh, but man. watch out. I was enjoying the, the gentle <laughs> episodes, Me I too. Know, I know. For a long so, time. <laughs> maybe we'll do some of these uh, splinter off, yeah, a, a we'll do these. Occasionally, because I, I do think it's too. important. I yeah. really do. I think it's important that people know this stuff so that if they're, you know, their kids are being influenced by a lot of this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think it's important that we say, like, look at this stuff, make up your own mind. Like, we're not telling you what to think. Like, I am. Well, John might be, <laughs> but there is stuff to it. There's no, this is just right, all coincidence. I, yeah. So let you me, just have to be aware of that. Let me read, let yeah. me just wrap this Especially up. Especially since th- these people are directly influencing your children. Mm-hmm. Let me wrap this up with the Bohemian Club. So the question that I had was, okay, so if it's not Baal, right, the the owl god that is being venerated with the cremation of care, the burning effigy ceremony, um, is it bad? Like what? Other than them getting together and dancing around. So here's an interesting kind of look at specifically the the owl Minerval iconography. Chris, do you want to read this, or John, why don't you read this? But just because the owl is venerated by the Bohemian Club does not mean that it is only meant to symbolize Athena Minerva. Lilith is also an apt identification. Lilith, queen of the demons, the great screeching owl mentioned in Isaiah 34, the night owl goddess that inhabits the ruins of Edom, which subsequently became a permanent fixture of Kabbalistic demonology. Lilith is also closely related to the Greek figure of Hecate with her demands for human sacrifice and the grove participants perform a mock human sacrifice at the base of a 40-foot owl as part of the cremation of care ritual. In addition, the poet George Sterling, one of the most prominent bohos... Yeah, that would be like bohemians from the community. ...of his time, wrote a play titled Lilith, a dramatic poem, in which Lilith herself mentions the owl, demonstrating that they at least knew of such symbolism. Sterling stayed at the Bohemian Club in his own private room toward the end of his life, where he committed suicide by ingesting cyanide. So that's the last of the Bright Happy episodes that I wanted to touch base with there. But that comes from Robert Hammond and uh, Terry Melanson. But I just want to wrap this up by kind of bringing it back that question. Uh, Bohemian Grove is one of the most you know referenced uh, secret clubs, secret societies that supposedly control a lot of what goes on in our world. And the idea that if you want to look at it and say, well, there is still some kind of nefarious aspect to that ritual. It's not just the burning of your cares away for the year, maybe, 
But there's also this tie that some people have referenced the uh, the connection with Lilith, right? right? And this kind it's of a creepy name, Lilith. Yeah, that's so weird because a couple nights ago, Chris got this new pillow, and he uh, he named it. <laughs> so Lilith. it's really sexual. He named it Lilith for some weird reason. Just popped in. Really, head. I, I had some back problems, so I bought a maternity pillow, <laughs> which is great. I do recommend this product. <laughs> if we should get this pillow. as a sponsor. You, you named it Lilith before you knew about uh-huh. this. What well, I hell, meant dude? to name. How I, many synchronicities can you possibly have? <laughs> tell them. Tell them about your. We're going to do a show on synchronicities yeah, here soon crazy. because it's insane how many we have with this show. But tell them about the one, that you, the latest one. So we were racking our brains, getting ready, prepping for the Secret Society episode and really like last minute crunch because there's so much to get into, so much to discuss because it goes on forever in every direction. And we were kind of stressing out about it. And we walked into a CVS of all places, or a Rite Aid rather, and Tiny Canal Fulton. And we walk in, there's like three magazines. Don't tell the Illuminati where we live. They know. (laughs) Oh, they know. Three magazines, like right by the checkout. And one of them is specifically... It's not a magazine with an article about secret societies. It is a magazine on secret societies right there, right at the cash register, right as we were just like, man, how are we going to direct this? And they're dressed in the hooded figures that is like known for our show, right? The cloaked images that we've used for our, you know, show image, like these cloaked characters. Yeah. Website image. Yeah. Like literally the same. And there were three of them. Yeah. The image where everyone thinks that they're umbrellas. You know, in front of the house because they're just like we'll, a black. We'll put the silhouette. magazine cover in the show notes. It is, but it's one of a bazillion synchronicities lately. Yeah, we're going to have to like, do an episode. If you don't know what a synchronicity is, you will find out yeah. when we do that. Show. We're keeping a journal, and those of you that know what the synchronicities are, keep your own little journal. Don't let it drive you insane. I think that's what happened to um, was it Charles Fort or uh, one of the other paranormal uh, researchers? But they basically kept a journal until they started to go insane, and they're like, "I can't do this anymore." That's crazy. And just like dropped the entire research of everything. They're like, I realize that this is too real. Maybe this is meant to just make me go crazy. So they just stop looking at everything. It's possible. Yeah. I can start to feel that sometimes. A little pull and insanity. We have experiences with our listeners too. Like All we have that crazy one. We'll, we won't talk about it right now. With Jack Burton. Jack Burton. In the Lighthouse Synchronicity. We're going to yeah. save that for our Synchronicity episode. Yeah. But that was that one blew me away. Yeah. There was a synchronicity that happened with that turkey that, that flew into mom's window last year. I can't <laughs> oh, no, remember that's, what that's it was. Started, this, that was right around the time the Alistair Crowley, Alistair Crowley, Alistair Crowley <laughs> curse episode we did, remember? Yeah. In it was like mess. all, like I can't remember what the tie was, but it was very much like a synchronicity. It was just like, what? Was it that trucker story? That guy who had oh, been attacked by an owl? The multiple owls, yeah. And then the bird flew in mom's window. It was more than that. There was something else too. Anyway, we'll, we'll... It was like a time thing. I was just all... Oh, the time. Yeah, yeah the timing too. Yeah, I don't remember, but... Anyways, we'll do a show on it. But anyways, yeah, I just wanted to mention that the the Minerva thing and that connection with Lilith and just because like that shows that kind of, you know, there's just so much to this. You can go so deep with these some of these connections and a lot of it you can say, well, that's that's a loose connection. That's a speculation. Well, yeah, Not that's a speculation, sure. but there there is a lot of written evidence in the way of historical precedent, historical evidence. Uh, there's also... You can see that there were motives at one point for sure. Yeah, there were, there were published statements by some of these groups at the time. You always get the Rockefeller Rothschild quotes and everything, right. like what they plan or, or would like to be come back as a virus to wipe out part of the human race. A lot of these things, they it's could point Prince to some... Albert, wasn't it? Is he in a can? <laughs> it was Prince someone yeah. who said that, <laughs> that someone. he wanted to come back as yeah. a virus and he was That's like, right, it was, yeah. Either the husband of... I think it was the husband of Queen Elizabeth. Was that who it was? Wow, should we just look this up real quick? Yeah. yeah, let's do that. I mean, that's insane. To say that and be like such a powerful person. Yeah, he wasn't a happy fella. He looked like a demon. Did you find it? Oh, what am I looking for? Oh, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> should I just read it from the meme without vetting it here? 
I forget where this was was originally published. <laughs> You're reading it from a meme. <laughs> this picture of him, dude, with this quote. <laughs> he looks like he looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex on crack. He's supposed to eat your soul. If I were reincarnated, I would wish to be returned. That's not a British accent at all. If I were reincarnated, <laughs> that's worse. <clears throat> I like it. If I were reincarnated, I would wish to be returned to Earth as a killer virus to lower human population levels. Principally up. Yeah, a lot of them think like that. Where, now, where does that quote come from? I'm not sure. And we don't have time to look into it right now because we're wrapping up the <laughs> episode. Convenient. Someone go look that up Someone for us. Someone go vet that for us. We'll, we'll, but we'll pull it in the expansion where things are going to get even weirder and crazier. And to lower the human pop- population, all these useless eaters. <laughs> <laughs> Said perfectly as a reptilian lizard person. I think the world. if you guys like this episode, you're definitely going to love the expansion. We're going to get into Skull and Bones, which we've touched on in previous episodes. We're really going to get into it. We're going to get into, I don't know if you remember, John, you remember talking about this, but um, Geronimo's skull that was allegedly stolen by Prescott Bush and kept oh, yeah. in the tomb of the Skull and Bones. Um Really interesting stuff. I've got some updates on that story. Uh, we're going to get into maybe even some stuff about the seven, which I think is a fascinating whole the thing. Seven. Yeah, I don't want to spoil, but it not has from to... the boys, the Amazon show, but right? Superheroes, not the same one. Yeah, this is uh, another secret society. I feel like I need like a like to take a shower in holy water after this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, it's um, pretty heavy. but yeah, if you guys made it this far, you probably weren't too offended. So thank you for sticking around. Yeah, um, we might have lost a few listeners. Hopefully not. We're just trying to be ourselves and talk to guests about how we feel about the world. Hopefully they realize that we're open-minded. Oh, we have a stinger. Oh, right. To our lovely Deanna. Our lovely Deanna. Maiden of Zachary. All right, ready? Do it. She keeps chickens in her backyard. <laughs> True. His last name is Daniel. I always thought it was Zach Daniels. Yeah, Zach Daniel. It gets confused. It's like a Randall McElroy, McElroy, oh, McElroy. I feel feel dumb about that. That's hilarious. Well, that's an easy that was, that was great. That was a great singer, though. That was a great song. Sorry about that, Zach. When we give her the, the hard copy, we'll just bleep out the S. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> uh, hope you like that, Deanna. You have been a great supporter of the show and, and a friend. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate it. And um, we love you guys. Yeah, and we love you, all of you out there. All listening. you listeners, um, whether you're in the expansion or not, uh, just being here, especially through the end of this episode, yeah, you mean a lot to us. I feel like maybe you've, I've, you said a lot of times like Zach Daniels party or something. <laughs> oh, like apostrophe, <laughs> yeah. like possessive, oh, like possessive. Yeah. Zach, Zach Daniels, Daniel's wife Deanna. Oh, yeah, could be about that. Then would it be Daniels's? Wait, do we never ask if she cares? We use her full name. No, she doesn't care. Okay. I can't imagine. Maybe after this episode, <laughs> she's like, "Oh, you attached it to this one." <laughs> <laughs> 
All yeah. right, guys, we love you out there. Thank you for checking out the yeah. latest episode. Thanks for sticking with us and through this kind of dense, uh, iffy episode that we just thought it was important to talk about. And uh, it's kind of the, the base of a, a conspiracy, which is a big part of our show. So, Or at least a, a part of our show at this point. We definitely yeah. do more like paranormal and right. you know, mysterious stuff. We kind of veered away from some of this stuff, but it is, I think, still a part of who we are. Well, for sure. And a part of what I consider to be the world. So yeah. I think it's good to touch on it every once in a right. while. Right. These days it's harder to navigate the conspiracy waters, but we still want right. to sail those seas and we want to talk to you guys about stuff. And we opened a can of worms with this one, but we're going to get our worm nights out and slay those worms <laughs> as they come. Get our worm so, nights out. You know the worm nights? That sounds sexual. That's the topic I wanted to do. You know, those ancient oh, nights. Oh, yes. Worm, worm people. Nights. I was thinking like day yeah. night, not like, you know, day night. Legend of Zelda night. Oh no, <laughs> Knights of the Worm. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, anyway, guys, check out the expand. Come and come and join us in the expansion. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a little. I think a little lighter. Uh, we're, we'll brighten it up somehow. You know, with skulls and bones. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it'll, it will be fun. I guarantee that. Yeah. So uh, casket masturbating. <laughs> yes, that will also be <laughs> no there. No spoilers. Haranchi. <laughs> uh, we might have to bleep that out. Nah, nah, that's right. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you there in the expansion. And for those of you who uh, won't make it this time, we will see you next time. On the Believeful.
But I'm your liar. 